0: Welcome to a really unusual episode of On The Line. My name is Christina Kay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm Joe Mullings, and we're Uh, not in studio today.
0: Yeah, Joe's in Sedona. I can't see him, and he can't see me, and this is all blind, so if we talk over each other, it's uh, it's bound to happen.
1: That's why we have editing.
0: No, you can't really edit out the part where we talk over each other. (laughs) Okay. But it's fine. We like each other, so it's okay. How's
1: uh, It's nice. It's nice. Yeah.
0: yeah. Good yeah. hiking?
1: Um, yeah. Some like brutal hiking. It's uh, super sunny out. Um, so in the middle of the day, you can't screw around too much. You gotta yeah. Make, yeah. 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 But, yeah. It's very cool. Did some stargazing last night. Did some pink Jeep tour. to Scratch that off your list. It's nothing did but Did you a see a psychic yet? uh no we're going on the vortex tours today and um oh ufo alien uh tour i'm really pumped about that
0: oh that's cool yeah Yeah. michael's jealous he just gave me a thumbs up
1: (laughs) yeah so that's gonna be a lot of fun i'll i'll see if i can get you guys t-shirts
0: oh cool yeah the (laughs) weirder the better i'd like a like if it's like a really particularly ugly t-shirt about aliens that's the way to go i'm a small got
1: it thanks joe (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, some, some, uh, some really sad news on Friday Mm -hmm. with, um, Anthony Bourdain, um, shortly after, uh, Kate Spade as well, losing both of them. What within a week, a week and a half of each other. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting subject to toss about today in regards to mental health in the workplace and um, that entire environment. So,
0: right. I mean, they were, I think, iconic for their work. Right. They, I, th- I think it would be in both cases. You know, Kate Spade's name literally became emblematic of her work, and and so did Anthony Bourdain's. I think it's impossible to to mention them in any way and remember them without remembering their work and and the work that they devoted their lives to. So, I think it's it's an apt conversation to to talk about. Uh, you know are there ways that, that your, your work life could be causing you some distress? And are there ways that your work life can also enable you to, to seek help and and better yourself?
1: Yeah. And I think it's all about the environment. Um, you know, it's, it's still too early. Uh, And I know, I don't know if you ever really get the answer of why people do what they do when they're gone, uh, because you really can't ask them. Um, you can always sort of guess and hypothesize, but Um, you know, there was talk on both of them that there was an enormous amount of pressure in regards to their careers and their workplace. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I think that's just part of what needs to be explored.
0: Yeah. So you're, you're a CEO and, you know, what do you think, you know, from the top down a company can do to address these issues?
1: (sighs) Um, Well, first of all, you know, when you look at Kate Spade and you look at Bourdain, um, you know you have to look at them as as CEOs as well right they're mm-hmm. they're driving their brand they're driving their product they're driving their companies, whether you're making something or providing a service like uh, Bourdain did um, and it's I will tell you as a CEO it's super lonely at the top um, you you don't have anybody to lean on um, it's all on you your responsibility to Sometimes dozens, sometimes hundreds of people. Um, You're putting your own self out there. You're putting your own product, your craft out there. It's being judged. Um, You're constantly trying to deliver the best you can to all the people you work with. So, you know, first I want to start there. As a a CEO, I I know a lot of CEOs who have major challenges emotionally because they're by themselves Mm -hmm. a large majority of the time. Um, Some make it seem so effortless, so there are people who are pointing fingers and can't understand, you know, why Bourdain did what he did. He appeared to have been successful by all, um, well, by most points that people are graded on, right? Celebrity, money, traveling the world, doing what he wanted. Um, But that's other people's scorecards. You really don't know what he himself had defined as success. Clearly, it didn't align with what his definition was. Um, I think as a CEO, we're alone a lot. Um, we're typically, um, putting out fires and fixing things, uh, and oftentimes go back to your room, your office alone. So that's, that's tough. But, um, as a CEO, what I try and do, and and you guys have really helped me with this a lot. Uh, you know, people talk about work-life balance. And, and I don't believe in work-life balance, I believe in fulfillment. Um, you guys have, have really given me some major insight and guidance as to you don't have to create an environment where people are banging their heads against the wall 60 hours a week in order to be successful. Um, you guys, meaning the digital team, the creative team, have really taught me that providing and creating an environment that allows people to seriously be the best version of themselves doing what they love to do. Because if I put too much tax on that system the way I think it should be, you will no longer love doing what you do, therefore you won't do the best work you can possibly do. So I think that's step number one is CEOs and leaders need to know that they're on the same team with people who really want to do a good job Um, and then you need to find out what their capable willing and want to do and where their levels of sort of exhaustion or um saturation occur
0: yeah i mean there's been a lot of research done in the past five or six years uh not surprisingly mostly in europe but uh, about about productive hours in the work week and 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 what the benefits of a shorter work day can be i know sweden had a a pretty comprehensive study for two years on uh, health industry workers in Gothenburg, and they reduced their work hours. They worked in a clinic that treated Alzheimer patients, which I think can be probably a pretty fatiguing and and probably pretty depressing work sometimes just because you are watching the degradation of the human mind happen right in front of you all day, every day. But all they did was cut their hours back from eight hours a day to six hours a day. And they had a pretty immense response. People were in general happier more engaged with their patients, and they took, on average in those two years, 15% fewer um, sick days, which is actually pretty significant. 15% fewer sick days, I think, is a pretty measurable uh, improvement in, like, physical health, which I think probably also translated into mental health. So I think, you know, learning... Learning how to to find quality hours instead of quantity hours, I think, is probably not a bad idea. And I know that that there's a lot of talk about this in the tech world about um, what automation means for labor in the future. And and a lot of people are talking about the four day work week or even a three day work week, where you're you're maximizing the hours worked to be productive and not necessarily just present. Uh, Amazon, I think is running an experiment on a 30 hour work week, four days a week on several of its employees It offered uh, 75% of what you currently make with all the same benefits, but you get to work 30 hours a week. And um, I'm curious to see how that study turns out. Cause Amazon has actually like a pretty horrible reputation for uh, overworking its uh, employees sometimes to the point of death actually. Um, so I think, you know, I, there's a, a word in in Japanese, actually, karoshi, I think that's how you pronounce it. And that's the Japanese word that literally translates to overwork death, which I guess is like pretty prominent. And South Korea and China all uh, both have words for that as well. But I think in general, you're just seeing a trend of, of uh, mental and physical exhaustion leading to extreme stress levels. And those extreme stress levels leading to like pretty severe health issues. And I, I think it's important here to delineate or to actually undelineate the divide between mental and physical health. There really is no division. I think we have a tendency to to think of our mind as something uh, detached from our body that we have, that the strongest of us have rigorous control over. You know, we, we see our bodies as susceptible to things like cancer or, you know, uh, diabetes, you, you know, you could be born with it or you can develop an uh, adult onset type one. Like there's all these things that we, we forgive our bodies for, but we don't let our, our minds uh, struggle the same way, even though they're totally an organic part of ourselves. Uh, and I think that it's important for, for businesses to be open to discourse on mental health in the same way that they would be on physical health. You know, oh, you have a flu. Okay. Don't come to work. Oh, you're, you're extremely depressed. Don't, don't come to work. You know, they're not divisible in my mind.
1: Yeah, and and th- that's a great point, and it's and it's terrible that there's actually a word about working yourself to death um, <laughs> in Japan. Um, you know, I, I think you bring up a great point here, where I, I see so much commentary, and again, I don't want to sit on board and hear too much, but to me, he just was so indicative of a, of, of a guy who, um, at, in his mid forties, had a resurrection. Who had fought addiction who had um, clearly was a fantastic writer so he had that innate in him and he knew it um, but he didn't try and make a business out of it he just put it out there and ended up declaring itself as valuable he clearly was an amazing communicator he fought those demons all the time being you know a heroin and crack addict and admitting it those are sicknesses right those are those are like to make cancer or heart disease um, and when people call somebody selfish for uh, committing suicide, the ultimate act, I have, a, I have a little bit of a challenge with that because um, nobody would call you selfish for dying of cancer or even dying of type two di- diabetes, which quote unquote, you bring on yourself potentially. Um, so I think in the workplace, one of the things that we strive for and, and, and I, I see other organizations starting to strive for is that open door policy, but it has to go both ways. I, I think leadership has to create an environment that allows somebody to walk in and say, hey, I, I've got a problem. And the flip side of that is the person or persons who do have a problem have to take responsibility to walk in um, mm-hmm. and give the organization the chance um, to uh, give you space or even create a potential process for you to work through it. So I, I think that's where it needs to start. And I don't think headcount should matter there, whether it's two people or... 10,000 people um, right. so I, I think that's the dialogue that needs to occur H- here's something I also want to cover is the pressure of work is the first thing thrown into um, the arena of this discussion because we spend a majority of our working at waking hours there mm-hmm. I, al- I, I also think in general um, people's lives um, have become so pressure-filled and not able to live up to quote-unquote the curated expectations that you see with social media today. And I don't want to blame social media. I just think it's an aggregate of the world we live in today where it, people want the perfect relationship and they want the perfect online presence and they want the perfect job. And, um, they're not giving a chance or given a chance oftentimes to have it be imperfect and work through it, um, with a partner. And that partner is either whoever you're with in your life or um, where your job is, uh, or your coworkers.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately relationships are, are fundamentally important. I think, you know, not everybody always has the privilege of choosing their work relationships, but they do get to choose, to a certain extent, their intimate relationships. So I think, you know, I, that isn't to say that, that, that time spent working is, is the inherent cause of death, but I, I think that in many ways time is the cause of death. Of, of, death in, in, in these circumstances. And that I think time is just something that plagues humans because we can conceptualize it and we can feel this fleetingness of it. And I think not having enough time to distribute towards things that, that are really salubrious, that we know will help make us feel better, like sleeping or spending time with our families or being in nature. I think that oftentimes we allocate most of our time for work. And my personal opinion is that doesn't really make a lot of sense because I think that that we are able as human beings to conceptualize things more than an ant can. And therefore we should not model ourselves after the ant style of living and maybe more after like a philosophical style of living where we have time to read and uh, walk quietly with ourselves and explore nature or be around family. I, I just think that we're really, um, we're mapping towards the, an, an unhuman way of living sometimes. And we can potentially really help ourselves if we connect back to our humanity. And you're lucky if, if your humanity is, is working with your best friend. And, and, you know, I've, I felt that way often actually when I develop my personal work or, or when I work with Michael, you know, I, it doesn't feel like work cause he's the person I would want to be with anyway. And we're doing something that we want to do, but that's rarely the case, you know, and, and certainly we're not making <laughs> all the money in the world making our own work. You know, we have to have jobs. So I think it's just important to remember that for me to be happy, I need to have that time to make work with Michael. You know, that's an important thing for me. That's part of my mental health. And, and I need to make sure that I, I make that time or else I I think, uh, yeah, depression probably would be just around the corner. If you look at overall happiness and productivity, in in the like extended hour workplace, you're seeing a, a, a sharp decline versus uh, shorter hour workplaces. But I, I think that that we have an obsession with optimization, and I think that that we would be better off working our way towards quality, just quality, and not necessarily optimization. We want to make sure that the that the people that work for us have quality lives, right, so that they can come in and do quality work. And I think that we really do obsess over health and wellness as sort of a, a marker of professional success. And they, they don't always go hand in hand. In fact, many of the most successful and, and brilliant people in the world have been tortured or tormented one way or another. I mean, who would hire Stephen Hawking? He's a, he's nothing but a liability physically, but Stephen Hawking was in, in his day, you know, the greatest mind on earth. So I think you can work towards optimizing the quality of your employee and getting better work out of them if you understand their weaknesses so you can play to their strengths rather than minimizing weaknesses until they become insurmountable, you know I think, yeah, I just think we should all remember that 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 disability doesn't mean you know completely disabled, it just means there is a disability, just one, two, maybe three, but not all at once
1: yeah and then and then there's the again keeping us as, as, as close to possible as the workplace. Um, it'll be interesting to see where this goes and, and how it always requires um, a hashtag um, of a well-known celebrity to either be sexually uh, harassed, abused, um, or commit suicide. It'll be interesting to see this, um, this movement occur and again, I don't mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping the movement doesn't just occur in the workplace. It, it does need to be addressed in the workplace, um, but I think it needs to be addressed just due to the speed at what we're living today and the expectations um, again, the curated Instagram accounts and the perfect Facebook account. When, when was the last time you saw anybody put anything on Instagram that was uh, not quaffed or not the best day of their life? It doesn't happen very often. And that's how. No, absolutely. And that's how everybody is living on labels and and curation and perfection. And the second that you get a bump in the road or you don't get something the way you want it, um, people typically will try and put lipstick on it, and that that's not a tenable um, equation, um, even for the short run. A, a lot of people suffer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I also wonder how much of um the surge in things like Instagram and Facebook and well, maybe less, less Facebook, but certainly Instagram is, is also part of this like incredibly competitive work environment. I find that most of the people I know using Instagram are, are also thinking about ways that they could monetize it or ways in which this reflects on them as a person who is successful and adept and, and uh, outrageously productive. And I wonder if, if less emphasis were put on our work selves and more emphasis were put on our personal selves, we would probably spend a little less time photographing every single moment of our lives to show the world how insanely and wildly happy and successful we are. And we'd probably spend a little more time, you know, like hanging out with our grandmas. <laughs>
1: um, and this is where, again, it comes back to responsibility of the self. Um, too many people are not putting the time, effort and investment into finding the right Uh, career for them or the right role for them. And Mm -hmm. and again, that comes back to onus is, is you have to take a reasonable amount of the responsibility of taking a job that you know, you're going to be miserable at. Um, you can't blame the person who hired you for that. Right. So that's number one. And that comes back to then a really good vetting process. And that comes out to doing the diligence and having the content out there in the diligence. Um, and that comes to Managing the expectations when you sign on the line that is dotted, and so um, the responsibility on the other side of the table is clearly explaining what the expectations are up front when you go to work for an organization, and you can negotiate those there you can I believe you can I think if you 're really that good at what you do and you love what you do, but you don't want to do it at the pace and cadence that the company says you have to, both parties have a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, And when you sign up for something, understand that it'll modulate up and down, just like you guys. You guys have put in 20-hour days um, many times on shoots we've been on and never cried, never whined, um, because I think we've created an environment that you know on the back end of that you're going to get a breather. And if not, then you're going to walk or you're going to have a meeting and say, I need a breather. And then mm-hmm. that's the responsibility of our organization is to give you that space. And, and again, that's, that's where I think it has to go both ways. And too many times there's finger pointing um, one way or the other when it needs to be a joint uh, responsibility.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing I, I, I forgot to mention about that that Gottenberg study, and it's actually something that pertains to something we talk about a lot and, and face a lot in our business, which is um, finding top talent and retaining top talent. So the Gothenburg experiment not only found a 15% reduction in sick days or costs for medical attention for their employees, they also found a significant rise in talent wanting to work at this facility and a 100% retention rate. Their people wanted to be there because the work environment was better. And they want it to stay. So maybe, I don't know, this is this is one way that Silicon Valley could be more competitive is if they'd stopped this insane 70-hour work week where you live your life at the office for literally no reason. Because I've been in these offices and these people literally don't do anything there. I mean, it's insane. I've just seen people play video games for hours or, you know, take uh, extended breaks with their friends to play like <laughs> Magic the Gathering or something like that. Instead, work less work more productive and see if you can attract better talent that way. Because I also think a lot of the people who want to spend all of their time at work who aren't the CEO, maybe they don't have that much to offer because i feel like there's so much that i want to explore outside of my job that would make me a smarter, more well-rounded, more intuitive, more intellectual person and i don't know how any of that could be a bad thing when i bring it back into the office. You know, the, the things i watch, the things i read, the conversations i have, they inform myself as a as an intelligent thinking human being and isn't that who you want to have? Isn't that who you want to hire? So i i also think that there's just Uh, plenty of opportunities to allow people to grow outside of the office and that growth can then be brought back into the office as internal growth as well.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I'm hoping this is um, some sort of sort of catalyst to uh, the baby steps that are going to need to occur. And I hope they're baby steps because if we're looking for one grand answer or one or one culprit, we'll never get it. Uh, And all we'll do is have candlelight vigils and point fingers and nothing gets done. But It would be really interesting to have conversations starting to occur from both sides of the responsibility the shared responsibility of what okay what do we do and and what are the small changes we make on the way uh and this doesn't this doesn't cost anybody any money and that's what's really promising about it because unfortunately that's the first thing people index to so um i don't know well that's a heavy one today um (laughs) but required reading i think
0: yeah, and I mean, you know, you know, there's this like obligatory moment where we're supposed to say now, like, uh, obviously, if you're struggling with myth, uh, thoughts of suicide or depression, you know, there are lots of hotlines that you can reach out to. But I actually uh, think that that the best thing you can do is spend a little time with a person who would be absolutely devastated by your loss, because I think that that's a kind of perspective that's invaluable to have, because it's difficult. I think that that intelligence requires you to contemplate things like your own mortality. And if you're a high achieving, you know, in, incredibly intelligent, uh, competitive person, you've probably actually thought about suicide more than once. But I think anecdotal to that is, is seeing the people that, that literally need you to to stay around and, and to be present.
1: Yeah, that's, that's an incredibly, incredibly thoughtful move right there. And I, I had not considered that before. So, yeah, thanks for that one.
0: Well, this has been another episode of On the Line. My name is Christina Kay.
1: I'm Joe Mullings Flying Blind from Sedona. I didn't get to see you.
0: I yeah, don't, I, don't I didn't get to see you either. But you're in Sedona, so lucky <laughs> I'm you. in Sedona,
1: yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for this one.